Hello, welcome back to my Two Cents Podcast. This is the wrestling uh, review of AEW's Revolution 2022. And let me just start off right now. The theme of tonight's whole pay-per-view was storytelling. Everything in every match had a purpose or is leading up to something down the line. You might say, Joe, everything in every match is supposed to have a purpose. Not necessarily. This pay-per-view specifically, everything in almost every single match had a purpose for being there. And that's what storytelling is all about, professional wrestling. Everything's supposed to lead up to this specific match. Or this match is supposed to encrypt something that happened to make you want to see this. Or it's supposed to bring you to what's going to happen further down the line. Every single match, I believe, had storytelling in it. But before I get into the actual pay-per-view, let me start off with this. The pre-show was an actual great pre-show. Now, not a lot of pre-show matches are able to deliver the quality matches that you will want out of a pre-show. Some of them are, okay, they're here just to be here. Some of the fans got to just see some of the wrestlers because some of the wrestlers need a payday or they want to give their wrestlers something to do instead of just sitting in the back. This pre-show card that's almost still available on YouTube is called AEW Revolution Buy-In. All these matches were great. With Chris Statlander and Layla Hirsch, Layla Hirsch won the match by pinfall because she cheated. She hit uh, Chris Statlander with one of the ring posts that were underneath the ring when the referee was distracted. And then she hit her with a springboard moonsault onto Chris Statlander for the win. This is leading up to Layla Hirsch going against, well, I'll say that down the line. Um, You had Hook going against QT Marshall. You had Hook beating QT by submission whenever Hook caught QT in the Taz mission, or Hook now renamed it the Red Rum. It did what it was supposed to do. It gave us five minutes. There was a great match. And then the last match of the pre-show was House of Black, Malachi Black, Brody King, and Buddy Matthews going against Death Triangles, Pack. Penta and their monster Eric Redbeard. House of Black won the match by pinfall when Eric had Malachi in a choke hold and he's about to listen up for a choke slam. Malachi spit Black Mist into the eyes of Eric Redbeard. Then you had Buddy hit him with a uh, running knee to the face and then you had King lift up Eric Redbeard hit him with a um, thunder driver and then you had Malachi pin him. Great six-man matchup. I thought, personally, if I was going to book the pre-show, I was going to have that as the second match and then leave Hook ending the pre-show matchup. But Tony Khan did what he was supposed to do. I immediately, as soon as I got done with the match, saying, well, okay, Tony, you did right. So, again, you can look at all three of these matches on YouTube. It's easily accessible. I highly request you to do that. Now on to the pay-per-view. The first match of the night was Eddie Kingston going against Chris Jericho. And the stipulation was if Eddie Kingston does beat Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho would shake Eddie Kingston's hand. Well, Eddie Kingston did beat Chris Jericho when Eddie Kingston hit Chris Jericho with two back fists to the futures and then locked him into the stretch plum and made Jericho tap out. The story of this match was obviously Jericho was trying to make Eddie Kingston doubt himself, say that you are not worth, you're not uh, worthy, you're worthless, you're never winning the big one. And Jericho tried to pull out every move in his special bag that he had. He pulled out the lion salt, he couldn't beat Kingston. He hit the um, cold breaker, couldn't beat Kingston. 
and then he tried to go for his w- AEW move, uh, the Judas Effect, and that's whenever Kingston ducked it, hit him with two spinning back fists, and then the stretch plum. So you had Jericho pulling out every finisher that he'd used throughout his whole career. Well, in the big leagues, WCW was the lion salt. Oh, yeah, he also did put out the uh, walls of Jericho and Kingston went tab out to that. So you had him use the walls of Jericho, the lion salt, and the code breaker, all from WCW and WWE days. And then when they finally came down to the AEW with the Judas Effect, they couldn't get the job done. So after the match gets done, you had Kingston walking up to Jericho. He extended his hand out. Jericho had his hand out, but Jericho just reluctantly pulled his hand back, and he's just walked out of the ring, and he's got his head shaking. Kingston looked at Jericho, and then he just shook his head, and then he just started uh, soaking in the adulations of the fans because the fans were cheering for Eddie because Eddie finally won a match on the pay-per-view because it's been a streak of Kingston losing matches on the pay-per-view. Him losing to Moxley in 2020 for the... AEW World Championship at full gear. Um, him and Moxley losing to uh, the Young Bucks at Double or Nothing last year. Him losing to Miro at All Out for the um, TNT Championship. Or was that? Yeah, that was All Out. And then at full gear, and then he lost to Punk. And so he was on a streak of never ever winning a match on a pay-per-view. So with Kingston winning this, he can prove to himself, and he always can say to himself, I can win the big one because I've beaten the first AEW world champion, Chris Jericho. So we'll have to see how that moves along in Kingston's progression into Dynamite this week. Also with Jericho not shaking Kingston's hand, we have to figure out, where will Santana Ortiz say to Jericho? Because once they had their match on Dynamite this past week and Jericho had his uh, backstage segment, they walked up to Jericho. They just gave Jericho a fist pump, so it made it look like Santana and Ortiz were cool with Jericho. So now, with Jericho not being a man of his word, we have to see exactly what will they say to Jericho this upcoming Dynamite. Because I believe that Santana and Ortiz is going to look at Jericho and say, hey, yo, you got to shake our man Kingston's hands. He beat you. You put out the stipulation. You put your foot in your mouth, and you're not a man of your word. So we're going to see how that deteriorates. More or less, I say we're going to get full-blown Chris Jericho, Eagle Maniacal on this week's Dynamite and him like fully like flipping the switch on Santana and Ortiz. But that's just my uh, way of how I'm seeing how that's going to roll. After this, we have the triple threat tag team match for the AEW World Championship. AEW Tag Team Championships, I mean. You had Jungle Boy, Luchasaurus. Defending their belts against Red Dragon, which is Bobby Fish and Kyle O'Reilly, and the, going against the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, who had Brandon Cutler in their corner. Uh, Jurassic Express would win the match when Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus would hit the Jurassic Express on Matt Jackson for the win. Uh, again, easy story to follow throughout this matchup. It was one team going against literally two other teams who were technically a unit together at the beginning of this matchup. You had Red Dragon and Young Bucks working together to take out both Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. And then, you know, the trip tri- uh, traditional triple threat. Whenever one person tries to pin somebody and they're in alliance with somebody, that person will try to kick them out of the way and say, what are you doing? And then that other person will try to pin that person. And then you now see that the alliance disintegrate, and now it truly becomes a triple threat match. And that's what we had here. You had a great triple threat tag team match once 
the alliance split and you had Red Dragon truly going against Young Bucks, Young Bucks truly going against Red Dragon, as well as Jurassic Express being inside this matchup. Uh, at one point, you had Kyle O'Reilly had uh, Luchasaurus in a guillotine choke, and Luchasaurus just held him there, and he kind of had himself crossed over. And you had Jungle Boy go to the top rope and hit a shooting star press on Kyle O'Reilly, who still had the guillotine choke applied on Luchasaurus, so that made a cool visual. Uh, towards the end of the match, you had Nick Jackson doing Nick Jackson stuff. He was obliterating and dominating the whole uh, competition. He Nick Jackson is one of those guys that you could really make him a singles competitor, and he'll do great. I don't think he'll be main event guy. I mean, he could be. Let's not get it twisted. But I think he'll be working as a great uh, TNT champion if they really would to have Matt Jackson like go backstage and do some backstage stuff, or if Matt did get hurt and they wanted Nick to be on the show, Nick could be a great uh, TNT middle uh, mid-card champion. But, again, Jurassic Express won the championships, well, retained the championships, won the match, and now this will lead into, not later in the night, but more or less into Dynamite, because, again, Red Dragon and Young Bucks, they played against each other, they cost each other the matchup, so we're going to see more of the dissension of this big super group of the elite uh after this we had the face of revolution ladder match you had warlow keith lee orange cassidy powerhouse hob ricky starks and christian cage in this match warlow won the match when he power bombed ricky starks onto a ladder which was bridged up on the ladder that warlow basically climbed up to grab the brass ring um ricky had this match won and i'm uh, I wasn't happy whenever uh, Dan Housen popped up out of nowhere. He got in the ring. He looked at Ricky and said, you're cursed. He pulled Ricky down. And now you had this exchange of Christian getting back in the ring. And now it was Christian and Ricky doing their thing. And uh, Warlow basically taking out both Powerhouse Hobbs and Keith Lee on the um, interest stage because, again, Another one of these things in this matchup, alliances were being built. You had uh, Warlow and Powerhouse Hob being an alliance. The big thing was taking out Keith Lee because he was literally the bigger man in this whole entire matchup. You had literally Warlow and Powerhouse Hob rip a ladder in half. So you had Warlow holding one half of a ladder, Powerhouse holding one half of the ladder. They're beating up on Keith Lee as he's going up the ramp and going up the stage. And then you had uh, Powerhouse turn on Warlow. And you, they do all this back, back, back and forth stuff. And then you get uh, Keith Lee and Powerhouse Hobbs grabbing each other by the throat. They're next to the announce table. They're literally at the edge of the stage. And then you see Warlow literally shove both of them off. And they fall through tables that's below them. So that eliminated Powerhouse and Keith Lee. So this made Warlow get back to the ring. Ricky Starks took care of uh, Christian. And he took care of Starks. He powerbombed him off and he grabbed the brass ring. So now Warlow has a future AEW TNT Championship matchup, which we do know he will be uh, having that at the, I believe, the St. Patrick's Day Slam on March 16th. I believe that's the date of it. So we're going to get that matchup of uh, Warlow going against either. It will be. Sammy Guevara or Scorpio Sky, because Scorpio will go against Sammy Guevara for the TNT title this Wednesday. 
By the way, this was not the last time we would see uh, Warlow tonight. After this, we had a contract signing. Swerve Strickland. You knew him as Isaiah Swerve's guy in WWE. One-fourth of Hit Row now being signed to AEW. It was already rumored and by uh, Five Full Select. Again, they get a lot of information. They get a lot of backstage news. And more or less, if it comes from Fightful, it's more or less always, I'm not going to say all the time, but a good majority of the time is always, like, true. It was reported from them that Swerve signed with them last week, but officially, in everybody's face, he signed tonight, well, on AEW uh, Revolution. So Swerve Scott is now in AEW. Again, Great competitor, great wrestler to have on your roster. It and this makes it seem that AEW's roster is being into a big old balloon. Nothing but talent after talent after talent. You have plethora of megastar talent on your roster. And we just gotta see what you do with Swerve now. Swerve is literally a franchise player if you use him in the right way. And I just want to see what you guys in AEW do with Swerve. Remember, you have a franchise player in Jay Lethal. Let's see what you do with him. You have franchise uh, players with Jay Cargo. You guys are doing great with Jay Cargo. She's a TBS champion. And by the way, speaking of Jade, that was her next match. You had Jade with Mark, Mark Sterling in her corner going against Ty Conti with Anna Jade in her corner. And this is for the TBS championship. Jade won the match, obviously. She hit Jade on Ty Conti to win the match. See, the thing with Jade is Jade came out. Jade is a star. Jade is a star. She is money. She looks like money. She talks like money. She walks like money. She is literally a franchise female woman athlete in wrestling, period. She is the black version of China, if you will. Literally, you can look at her and you might say, oh, my God, no, I'm being serious. She's the black version of China, and that's completely with all praise. She's able to, she's starting to work better in the ring. She's able to have a long, she's starting to have longer matches. This match with Ty Conti, she had a longer match with Ty than I believe. No, this is her second longest rap match, I believe. No, no, it's not. It was only for six minutes and 50 seconds, but she was able to pull off some things. She had a frog splash in this match, for love of God, on Ty Conti. Uh... The big highlight of this thing was that, one, she came out in Jade Mortal Kombat gear. And two, uh, to start the match off, she kissed Ty Conti in the mouth. So that kind of set the internet ablaze. People have fun with that meme, and people are going to use that gift. People are going to do whatever they want with that. Be respectful, by the way, wrestling internet society uh, community. Be respectful of Jade in that gift, for the love of God. We got a whole lot of... Uh, not respectful people on there. They're going to say some really uh horny stuff. I'm just going to be blunt with you. People are really horny out here on the internet. So I think they're going to use that and do whatever you want with that. That's what they're going to do. But be respectful of Jade. She is a respectful woman. Please be respectful. Uh, Jade is a powerhouse, period. She's a powerhouse. She can work in the ring. She's starting to work better. She's being trained up more and tutored by Brian Danielson again. Brian Danson, great wrestler, so we're going to see how he mentors Jade Cargill down the line, and we're going to all see that in the ring. 
But nevertheless, Jay Cargill wins the match. Also, Anna Jay did hit uh, Ty Conti, not Ty Conti, but Jade with a steel chair while the referee wasn't looking. And that kind of put a wrinkle in this because Jay Cargill's undefeated, and that's more of a heel tactic. But again, they're trying to set Jade up as the juggernaut. You can't beat the juggernaut. You got to use other tactics to beat the juggernaut. But that did not stop Jay Cargill here. She's still money. She is still undefeated in AEW. I believe she's now 29-0 and still the TBS champion. And let's see where they uh, head with this on Dynamite or Rampage, whatever they want to do with this. After this, it was time for the long-awaited dog collar matchup. CM Punk going against MJF. To start this thing off, we had CM Punk's music hit, the whole call to personality. You had the whole verse, first verse hit, and then switch up into MJF's music. And boy, were the people booing MJF. MJF did the same thing again. He did a dickhead move. He comes out. He's in his whole uh, big pay-per-view, uh, big old robe. He comes out, get in the ring. We don't hear CM Punk's cold personality music, though. What we hear is CM Punk's Ring of Honor music by AFI. And he comes out. He's sporting his Ring of Honor gear. He's sporting the puffy, not puffy jacket, the sports jacket. And he's sporting the sh- straight up Ring of Honor uh, white shorts with the X. X is going down one line, one side of the pants, and the other side it said Punk. And he's bringing out old CM Punk here. Ring of Honor Punk, and it even came out, not uh, not came out when he got introduced. He says in the Second City Saint, CM Punk, he hasn't been announced as the Second City Saint since Ring of Honor. And it all kind of ties in with everything, with the news of Ring of Honor being purchased by Tony Khan this week. CM Punk went all Ring of Honor on this. I just wish he would have blonde his hair, because boy, after MJF put a beating on him, on AEW this week. I had a feeling he was going back to Ring of Honor stuff because his promo that he did cut, well, that they showed on Rampage, um, he, it was a version that he brought back from a Ring of Honor clip that he was in a feud with Raven, talking about he has to be the monster to defeat the monsters. It's on YouTube. I don't know if it still is on now, but I knew back in the day it was on YouTube. And it brought me back to that. And I saw that promo on Rampage. I thought, okay, he's going to come back with blonde hair. And he's going to do his whole Ring of Honor stuff. I had a feeling he was. And he did everything except for the blonde hair, which I was like, oh, man, he just should have did blonde hair. And he just would have just been perfect, just been a French kiss. But it still was French kiss anyway. Punk came out here. He did Ring of Honor stuff. And he ends up beating MJF. Great dog collar matchup yeah both of them bleeding punk bleeding a lot but mgf did get some bleed uh he did bleed a little bit in this um you had thumbtacks in this matchup you had them using the steel chain as they're supposed to i mean they were doing everything in this matchup to make you understand that this is a real blood feud from punk and mgf and then when it came down directly to the end of it you had warlow come down in his suit and it looks like he's going to give MJF the Dynamite Diamond Ring, but he's tapping himself, and he's like, I don't have the Dynamite Ring on me. So then MJF gets turned around, and he gets hit with a uh, go-to-sleep on thumbtacks. 
And then you see Warlow looking in his back pocket. And then you see him pull out a dynamite ring. And he has a smug look on his face. And he just puts a dynamite ring right there on the mat. And him and Punk lock eyes for a minute. And Warlow starts smiling and turning away and walking away. So now this is Warlow literally turning his back on MGF. Punk smiles at this. He grabs a dynamite ring. He pulls on his uh, dog collar. Well, the chain that's hooking himself and MGF together. He pulls MGF up. MJF still goes down with defiance and being the dick that he is, he spits in CM Punk's face and CM Punk blasts him right with a right hand with a dynamite ring on his finger, popping MJF, pins him, covers him, done it. This was a good dog collar matchup. This was a good match tonight. Well, on the Revolution pay-per-view. Great matchup. I suggest you, if you can't find it anywhere, if you Want to pay for the pay-per-view? Do that. But I'm not going to try to lie to nobody. There's a lot of people out here that can't afford it. There's young children that's with families that can't afford a pay-per-view. Just like I was literally when I was a small child. If you can find it anywhere, because boy, oh boy, there's ways you can find it. Find it. Watch that match. Trust me, you will enjoy that match. Believe me. You will enjoy that dog collar matchup between Punk and MJF. Great old school storytelling is the the question begs now. Where do we go from this? Because technically, if you want to get technical with it, Punk beat MJF tonight in the dog collar matchup. So that's one in the win column for Punk. MJF beat MJ uh CM Punk technically twice in Chicago, but I'm not sure on the AEW records they're gonna call it two times. So technically there's one and one. Are we going to do a third matchup between these two? Are we going to do that? Or are we going to allow this to literally just have these two go about their way, go about their business? Because after the match, Punk went up on the top uh, turnbuckles and he started gesturing for a championship to go around his waist. So it seems to me that Punk is going for a championship. And now we know with Warlow having the TNT championship literal opportunity at his in his hands, and MJF is going to watch this match back. He's going to get information from Sean Spears or FTR, the pinnacle, because they're still a group. And we know we're going to get some type of disciplinary action from uh, MJF to Warlow this week on Dynamite. Are we going to see Punk, like, stand up for Warlow and Warlow be with Punk now? Or what are we doing with this? Because this is a whole lot of ways we go about this. To me, I see we're going to go like this. I think Punk is going to distance himself from MJF. MJF is going to focus himself on Warlow because Warlow took something away from him. And now I believe Warlow is going to get uh, his TNT opportunity ganked from him by MJF. I think MJF is going to gank that opportunity away from him. And if not, MJF is going to cost Warlow that TNT championship. Which, either way, we're going to get a MJF and Warlow feud. Literally, this is where we're leading to. So, I think we're going to have that happen. I think I think we're going to go with the latter. I think MJF is not going to be back this week. I think it's going to be Sean Spears kind of chastising Warlow and FTR kind of chastising Warlow. Somebody in Pinnacle is. Warlow's not going to pay them any attention. And I believe whenever... Warlow has his match with whoever is the TNT champion on the 16th at uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam. 
We're going to have MGF cost him the match. Warlow almost get into the face and basically have his hand around MGF's throat. And then we're going to see Brian Cage pop out of nowhere and beat up on Warlow and take Warlow's spot in the pinnacle. Because if you guys didn't know this, Tony Khan has extended uh, Brian Cage's contract for one more year. And we haven't seen Brian Cage in a long time. And I mean a long, long time. I believe the last time we saw him was whenever he had a match with Ricky Starks for the FTW Championship, and Ricky beat him. I believe that was literally the last time we saw him, and I believe that was on Rampage. And that was months ago. So I believe this will be Brian Cage's like, second opportunity to get back in a top prime position to be the bodyguard and basically a better version of Wardlow, if you will, for MJF. Because Brian Cage can do everything. He can flip. He can uh, do power. He has speed all this type of things, and we're just going to see where this leads into. I believe that's where we're going with this. Anyway, dog collar matchup, Punk and MJF, great old school storytelling. Go and look it out. Go look for it if you can. After this, we had the AEW Women's Championship. Britt Baker with her crew by her, by her side, uh, Rebel and Jamie Hayter going against Thunder Rosa. Britt Baker wins the match by pinfall. There was a whole lot of shenanigans in this. Thunder Rosa had this match won not once, but twice. And every time she would either go for a pinfall whenever she had Britt Baker down for the pin, Rebel got on the apron. And the other time when she had uh, Britt basically knocked out by submission, the referee was still distracted by Rebel. I mean, there was a whole lot of shenanigans in this whole thing. Oh, yeah. Rebel, uh, not Rebel, but Britt Baker beat Thunder Rosa by hitting her with a curb stomp. And that's that. We got a new uh, Women's World Championship, by the way. Um, They decided to do away with that model that they had since the uh, opening night on AEW Dynamite. Now they have a newer uh, version of that belt. And that belt is basically modeled after the Mid-South North American Championship. Because once I saw it, I was like, okay, I remember that. I know what type of belt they uh, used to pattern this belt off of and it's a nice looking belt i'm glad they got i'm not gonna front with you i'm glad they got rid of that belt i'm glad they got rid of that and went with another belt for the women's championship because that belt to me that old school not the old school but that older model now that i could call the older model that one just didn't seem like it was for the american viewing eye of their of what a women's championship should look like that belt their original belt pattern off of what Japan female wrestling, their championships will look like. That was my idea of whenever I first saw that belt and they kept it and they kept it. And now since we have a newer belt for the women's division, I'm glad we got that because it fits more of the American eyes and AEW is an American base, even though it is uh, broadcasted everywhere around the world. Let's not forget it is home base in America. So you got to play more into the American view and eyes. I'm just going to be blunt with you. That is, that's just what it is. Anyway, um, it's been rumored and it's been speculated. Now, since they're at one and one each, Britt and Rosa are at one and one each. And this one has was heavily influenced by uh, Britt Baker's cronies on the outside. They're trying to say that whenever uh, Dynamite goes over, 
to San Antonio, which is Texas, and they're trying to say that I believe that's on uh, St. Patrick's Day Slam. We're going to get Britt Baker going against Thunder Rosa inside a steel cage for the AEW Women's Championship, and they're going to say that's the time when they're going to pull the trigger and Thunder Rosa is going to win this. And, oh yeah, I forgot to mention this. This week on Dynamite is going to be Layla Hirsch going against Thunder Rosa. That's the reason why I didn't want to mention that earlier tonight after Layla. I was going to, but I was kind of had to stop myself. Um, it was announced Thunder Rosa will go against Layla Hirsch. Winner would go against Britt Baker for the Women's Championship. So, again, that's where we're headed. Thunder Rosa is going to win this, and more than less, it's going to be a steel cage matchup to uh, eliminate Britt Baker's uh, cronies. I'm not mad at that. If that's where we're going with this, I'm cool with it, fine. But I wish we would have just pulled the trigger tonight because, again, Britt Baker has beaten everybody in the women's division. And, again, she I, I said it in the uh, wrestling highlight review, uh, wrestling highlights of the week this past episode. I said it that she's hit the Young Bucks uh, status when they won their championship and they were in their reign last year. The Young Bucks at the time beat everybody in the tag team division. They beat everybody. When it came down to the Lucha Brothers, they were the only team left, and it's literally, okay, it was time for you to drop the belt. Now, with this, we're going to get them in a steel cage. It's going to be time for Britt to drop the belt, and that's it. And I just can't wait for that to actually happen and go down. After this, we had John Moxley going against Brian Danielson. John Moxley wins the match by pinfall when Brian Danielson had Moxley in the triangle choke. He was beating up on uh, Moxley, and Moxley was able to flip over Danielson. Referee counts one, two, three, and Brian Danielson looks at the ref like, that's not, did that really happen? And yeah, the referee said, yeah. So Moxley wins the match by flipping over out of the uh, triangle choke, and he wins it. This match was a whole lot of brutal eyes, beating the crap of each other, pissed, I mean, just beating the bejesus out of each other. They start hitting each other hard, striking each other hard. Moxley bleeds. Uh, Danielson gets some of Moxley's blood on him. He's cool with that. I believe Brian Danielson at one point even bleeds from the mouth. I mean, these two were just throwing, and I mean, just throwing hammer fists and just beating on each other hard. Uh, after the match, however, this is where it gets interesting because you had these two just going back to brawling again, beating with each other, fighting each other, hitting each other, and all this good stuff. You had security run down to the ring, try to separate these two. It wasn't getting the job done. And then coming out from the entrance ramp side, the camera picks up. And who walks down the side? It is bloody William Regal. William Regal from NXT manager fame, which majority of everybody would now know him from that for. But what people don't know, William Regal has a deep history with both of these men. Whenever NXT was, before NXT was NXT, and they were FCW, Moxley's first feud in FCW, technically, was William Regal. He has a deep connection to William Regal ever since that feud down there in FCW. Brian Danielson has been uh, earmarked and has already been said in history that Brian Danielson and William Regal are close friends. Brian Danielson was helped uh, got some of his training up from William Regal. And shoot, you can even look at Brian Danielson's Ring of Honor run. He was wearing burgundy uh, trunks and burgundy uh, uh, kick pads, like protective stuff. That wasn't nothing but William Regal. 
Regal had burgundy trunks. He was wearing the burgundy trunks and stuff like that for in his WCW days and even in his WWF days. And Regal and again Brian Danson have a storied history together. So it made sense for Regal to come down to the ring, get in between these two, and separate them. He had Moxley go to one side of the ring, Brian Danson go to the other side of the ring. He walks over to Moxley and slaps Moxley. And then he goes to the other side and he walks over to Brian and slaps Brian. He tells him that he's sick of this and he tells them to shake each other's hands. They walk over, they put their hands out, they shake each other's hands. And now William tells them to go to the back. They start getting out of the ring, they go to the back. So it seems to me we're going to get William Regal talking on AEW because William Regal is now signed with AEW. It has been confirmed by Tony Khan. He tweeted it out saying William Regal is all elite. So we get that. And now, what's probably more than less going to happen is we're going to get this group of Regal and Moxley and Danielson coming together, and they're going to try to build up the next generation of AEW talent. That's just the way I see how it's going to happen. Anyway, on to the next thing. Six-man tornado tag match. Darby Allin, Sammy Guevara, and Sting going against the AHFO. Andrade, Matt Hardy, and Isaiah Cassidy. And in their corner, they had Jose. Uh, Darby Allen, Sting, and Sammy Guevara will win the match. This was a real chaotic matchup. Oh, yeah. Darby will win the match for the team when he has a coffin drop on Matt Hardy and covers him. Big chaotic matchup. They went through the crowd on the stage. The two insane moments of this matchup was one when Isaiah Cassie and Sammy Guevara were on top of one of the uh, like screens on the stage, and there's two tables below them. Sammy Guevara and Isaiah Cassidy, well, Sammy Guevara, Spanish flies like Isaiah Cassidy off of the screen through one of the tables. And in the crowd, you had Sting had Andrade on the table. Sting drops off of one of the uh, audience uh, perches, jumps off of it, crashes through uh, Andrade through a table. This thing was real chaotic. Six man, I mean, it was... Chaotic, and also you have Butcher and Blade come out to try to help out uh, Matt and Andrade and Isaiah Cassidy, and you also had Mark Quinn try to come out, but again, all to no avail, Darby, Sammy, and Sting win the matchup, just chaotic, it was cool. After this, main event time for the AEW World Championship, Hangman Page going against Adam Cole. Hangman will win the match by pinfall when he hits Adam Cole with with his own dose of his own medicine. He hits him with his own uh, boom, which is basically the running knee behind Adam Cole's head, and then hits him with a buckshot lariat for the win. Again, great storytelling here. You had uh, Red Dragon come out to help out Adam Cole, just like they would do in their UE days on NXT. But this time, you had Dark Order come down to help out Adam Page and fight off Red Dragon. But this is towards the end of the matchup. And um, you had, at one point, you had them recreate the Ricochet and Adam Cole spot, which is having Hangman jump off and hit a backflip moonsault off of the top rope. But Adam Cole would catch him in midair and super kick him right in the shoulder, just like he did with Ricochet. But Ricochet and Cole did that much smoother on NXT, I believe, TakeOver Brooklyn. And I believe it was like their third Brooklyn, third or fourth. I believe it was TakeOver Brooklyn number three. Hold up. 
four. Takeover four. Sorry, Brooklyn takeover four. I had to do the math for calculation because that was in 2018. Anyway, great matchup. Great matchup between the two. Uh, you had Hangman, uh, Duct Tape, Adam Cole uh, behind. Duct Tape, his uh, hands behind a top rope. And again, this was nothing but storytelling. Pure storytelling between Hangman and uh, Adam Cole, just two of the, both of the Adams beating up on each other, seeing who's the best of the best. And again, it was great. There's no bad things to say about this matchup. I There's nothing really more to say. It was a great matchup, great main event. I just wish that Adam Cole would have won this because this would have set up for a big-time situation because on the pre-show, you had Don Callis come out with the Kenny Omega thing, and he said it's going to be a great night for the Elite. And he talked about how he has all faith Adam Cole is going to win the match tonight and become AEW World Champion. And when Kenny comes back, Adam Cole will be a great transitional champion. And Kenny would basically be the man because there's only one diamond in AEW, and it's Kenny by God Omega. So with Don Callis bringing back on AEW for the pre-show, I thought, okay, this really solidifies it. Adam Cole is going to win, and we're going to get Kenny coming back much more for faster than what everybody believes, but that's not the case here. Hangman Page is still your AEW World Champion. Adam Cole, I believe, is still not done with Hangman, to be honest with you. I think we're going to get uh, Adam Cole and Hangman again somewhere down the line. And this also leads me to something interesting here. Punk did gesture to a championship around his waist. Are we going to get Punk now jumping above everybody in the line and say, well, I'm number one because I am I beat MJF in the dog collar matchup. Our match was the best match on the card. And everything I've done since being in this whole promotion, I've built up young talent. I've been doing this. I've done that. I'm on top ranking in the AEW rankings, yada, 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 whatever. Is he going to be the next to go after Hangman? Or who's going to be next? Because I have a feeling Cole's going to be still going after Hangman. And we're going to have Cole probably go against Punk in a number one contenders matchup. And that's probably where we're headed with that. Or we're going to do with something. This leads to a whole lot of possibility because right now, Hangman is kind of floating right now. He kind of is. And we're not going to continue on with the uh, Adam Cole and Hangman deal because who's next for him? Because you had the possibility to do that with MJF because MJF has always been ragtailing uh, Hangman for mad years and has always been pre like predestined for hangman and mgf kind of to be like the two guys to like be the guys to lead the charge of a big time young guy versus young guy feud of aew but since that's not happening what are we doing with the world championship we're now having in limbo here we'll have to see on dynamite i just can't wait to see it it leaves me with a whole lot of questions and I'm good with that because it gets my mind creative juices flowing. I just got to look at the roster one more time. And then guess what? I guarantee you by the end of this wrestling highlights of the week video, not video, but a podcast coming out this next Saturday, this Saturday coming up, I'll be able to give you answers because right now my head's kind of blank. I hope Dynamite kind of clears that water for me. But if not, I'll be able to give you guys something and hopefully they'll take that idea and run with it. But again, we shall see. Again, Revolution, great pay-per-view, great uh, night. I wish it would have been on a Saturday, personally. But hey, UFC was that on that night, and 
obviously wrestling does not go against UFC because that does not bode well for wrestling at all in this uh, pay-per-view market. So with that all being said, AEW Revolution, great pay-per-view. If you can find it without paying for it, because again, I'm not crazy. I know what it was like to be a kid that couldn't afford pay-per-views. I know what it was like to go to YouTube and try to find them. Hey, if you can, I'm not going to shame you. Go ahead and do it. Watch it and spread the word of AEW Revolution. Again, great pay-per-view. I suggest you watch it. Great show. Now, with that being said, this has been G2. This has been my Two Cents Podcast, giving you your AEW Revolution uh, review. I hope you enjoyed it. If you can, please listen back to my Sunday episode. It's called Takeaway. Uh, I hope you guys do enjoy that. Anyway, I hope you guys enjoy yourself. I hope you have a, guys have a great week. Now, with that all being said, Kanye, can you please take these people home? I'm tired. You tired. Uh-huh. Jesus wept.